Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, how you doing? I am Jim Richards, and man, I am so excited. You know, I'm going to be sharing something with you today that is a game changer. This is something that you can begin to use today to completely transform, uh, really, uh, uh, the core of your being, change the direction of your life. You know, you know, your heart determines what you believe in your heart about yourself, about who you are in Jesus, about who God is. What you believe in your heart is what is guiding your life. And I could just tell you this, you know, people, people think that you solve problems by changing behavior. Well, that's sort of true, but the real truth is if you don't change your heart, your behavior doesn't change. And so it, this, is sort of like, this is sort of like nuclear energy or nuclear energy. It's like, it's like we're going to go down, we're going to change at the quantum level. We're going to change something that's the simplest thing to change. Instead of going out here and putting forth all of this effort into trying to change your behavior, you're just going to change your belief. And you're going to change your belief because we're going to observe what the Bible says about writing things on our heart. Now, we are the stewards, the managers of our heart. Now, we were taught for years that, you know, some groups teach that the heart and the spirit are the same thing. Some te groups teach that the heart and soul are the same thing. But let me tell you something. God created language. God is a master communicator, and he would not use two completely different words to describe the same thing or the same function. The heart is a combination of your spirit and your soul because it is the real you. It is, it is the spiritual you. It is the emotional you. It is who you are as a person. And like I said, Proverbs uh, chapter 4, I believe it's about verse 23, it tells us that, that all the issues of our life come out of our heart. So the Bible tells us that we need to establish our heart in certain things. It tells us that we need to guide our heart into certain things. It tells us we need to write on the tablets of our heart. Now, writing on the tablet of your heart is really where you are engraving on your heart what you're going to believe. And I am telling you, whether you like it or not, uh, whether what got written on your heart was because of the way other people treated you or because of your choice, it really doesn't matter because you are the one that has the control, the power, the authority. God has given us authority, and because of that, He can't even force a change in your heart or in your beliefs. You have to, you have to decide what you want. Proverbs 3 3. And man, I, I love Proverbs chapter 3. Of course, you know, the problem is I, I think I, I love every chapter in the Bible. It says, Let mercy or let not mercy and truth forsake you. So you want to live a life where mercy and truth doesn't forsake you, and that's mercy that you are extending and truth that you, that, that you are, are expressing. But also, this gets into your relationship with God, not letting mercy and truth forsake you. You know, mercy and truth are an interesting thing. I could, spend, I could do a whole series on mercy and truth because we live in a world today that says if we confront anybody with the truth, we're not being merciful. We're being judgmental. No, 
Judgment is not when you look at a situation and acknowledge what's happening. That's not a judgment. You know, when somebody lies to me and I say, you know what, you're lying to me. I say, are you calling me a liar? Well, I don't know if you're a liar or not. I just know that you're lying to me right now. Oh, so you're being judgmental. No, I'm identifying a fact and I'm giving you a chance to tell me the truth. And then, then we can deal with truth. And I'm being merciful because I'm treating you kind. I'm treating you as if you have a lie. But still, that doesn't mean I'm going to believe the lie. Mercy and truth, they, are, they, are, they have a symbiotic relationship. And one cannot exist without the other. Because the moment you remove mercy, then truth can become legalism. It can become hard. It can become rigid. Or the moment you remove truth, then mercy becomes liberalism and uh, people never solve problems and their life becomes more chaotic and destructive. So the Bible says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And that's, that's the main part, phrase I want to focus in on. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, one of the things I, I, I want to ask you is this. Do you know how to write something on your heart? Do you know how to take a thought and turn a thought into a belief? You should, because that is our primary responsibility as believers, as far as, far as applying the truth to our life. It's not legalism. We're not, we're not supposed to be robots, and, and uh, uh, we're not supposed to be bound up in legalism. We're supposed to see the value of the truth and love the truth and adjust our beliefs to align with the truth. And then we get to have a great life. And so, so I want to talk to you a little bit. Now, re remember this. And, you know, uh, in my next series that I will be starting next week, we're going, to be, we're going to be starting to talk once again about the kingdom of God, about heaven on earth. And I want you to understand, Jesus was a preacher and a teacher of the kingdom of God. His sermons were primarily sermons about the kingdom of God. His parables were parables pretty much about the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, when John the Baptist showed up, he showed up preaching the kingdom of God. In other words, all of the truth that we needed to know theologically, all the core truths, they were all taught in what we called the, the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament, and that's not a, that is not a good name. I hate, that. I hate using that terminology because everything in the Old Testament is still true. The, the thing that has changed is a covenant. What has changed is we get to see all of those truths applied, manifested through the life and the ministry and the death and burial resurrection of Jesus. And we get to discover, oh, this is really what that should have looked like if I put it into practice, because Jesus showed us how to, how to walk in the truth with mercy, and he showed us how to always be motivated by love. We got to discover what this should have looked like all along instead of the religious legalistic nonsense that, uh, that was passed forward by uh, thousands of years of, uh, of, of religion. Now, in the, in, there's a primary um, parable, and we're not going to go into a lot this week, going to next week, but it's a parable of the sower and the seed. Now, one of the things that you will learn in future sessions with us is you will learn that the law of the seed is the universal law of the universe, Every, everything, uh, the universal law of all things, everything in our universe actually works through the law of the seed. 
Now, everything that, liber that liberals do, everything that socialism and communism and all these other isms and humanism, everything that they promote and teach actually is contrary to the law of the seed because the law of the seed says, look, you're, gonna, you're always going to grow from the type of seed that you plant. And so, you know, the, the whole idea, for example, right now of equity, equity is not, is not equality. There, that's, that doesn't mean equality. Equality says everyone is equal and everyone should have an equal opportunity. And equity says everybody should have an equal outcome. And equity says we're going to punish the people who are the wrong color, who have the wrong beliefs, who have the wrong ideology. We're going to punish them if they are living a better life than somebody else. And so, and so we, are, we are living in, in a world that has reached such a demonic, Luciferian thought process that everything that is natural, everything that is in harmony with how the world was created, the universe was created, everything that's in harmony with the Word of God is now being twisted. And good, what God calls good, is now called evil. And what God calls evil is now being called good, and it is destroying our entire world. But you know something? No matter what happens in the world out there, we can live on a totally different plane in our own hearts. So in the parable of the sower and the seed, and this parable of the sower and the seed, again, is based on that universal law of what you sow, you reap. And that's not like what you sow, God will punish you for. That's not what it means. It's just the law of the seed. You plant a seed, it grows. God doesn't decide if a watermelon seed is going to grow watermelon or peaches. It, it grows based on what kind of seed that you have planted. Now, in the, law, in the parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus pointed out something. He said, basically, if you do not understand this parable, how will you understand any of the parables? Because that is the primary parable that presents the law of the seed. It presents the process of how you plant the word in your heart or right on the table of your heart, whatever terminology you would choose to use and how you transform your beliefs and, and, and really change, change your whole life. I mean, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how bad your life has been. It doesn't matter how bad you have been. You can step into a new life, and uh, it starts by planting the truth in your heart, truth about God, truth about salvation, and the truth about God's love for you, his willingness to forgive you, to give you a new life, all these kinds of things. But Jesus said... You see, see, we, we have rejected the, the concept, the biblical concept of the heart. Because all the way back, you know, to the very beginning, God emphasized that some, that transformation or that believing the truth, that everything that we did that would, and what it would produce in our life, whether good or bad, is all based on what we believe in our heart. And so, and so religion erased the whole concept of the heart and put the emphasis on thinking, put the emphasis on intellectualism. You know, Gnosticism uh, hijacked the church, and uh, from the time of Catholicism forward, the church has worked around Gnosticism, ritualism, legalism, all of these things that are contrary to everything that the Bible teaches and contrary to everything that God says that he is. And so Jesus said, look, if, if you want fruit to go in your life, so like if you want fruit to grow peace, joy, righteousness, uh, great relationships, walking in love, being a kind and generous person, 
then it's got to happen because you deal with it from a heart level. If you deal with it from a heart level, uh, you know, the Bible, you know, uses these, these, this terminology like, a, you know, like before you plant seed, you got to you got to break up the fallow ground. You got to you got to dig up. You got to root out. In other words, you got to get all of the thorns. So, what are the thorns? Well, the thorns are those uh, the fruit of the beliefs that you embrace. And I tell you, you just look at your life, and anywhere that your life is consistently in chaos, consistently in trouble. Uh, in other words, thorns are consistently growing. I'm telling you. If you think that this is God doing it, then you're accusing God of something that you're doing, or you're call, basically you're calling him a liar, because your life is the product of the fruit of what you believe in your heart. And so in the parable of the sower, uh, and you, know, you can look at it in Mark 4, and you see subtle uh, uh, things about the parable of the sower. You can go over and look at in Matthew 13. You see other subtle things. There's just, there is just a wealth of information about the parable uh, of the sower in the two uh, uh, Gospels, Mark and Matthew. So, so um, Jesus says that uh, we need to pay attention, get serious to what we hear. Now, one of the Greek words for sin, and I can't remember now, there's either eight or nine Greek words for sin, but one of them means to hear amiss. That means you hear something, but you don't do anything with it. You hear something, and you may even get inspired for a moment, and then that inspiration goes away, and now you have the intellectual knowledge of something that inspired you, but, but technically that is a form of sin. Now, what is sin? Sin is something where you believe something, you do something uh, based on these beliefs, but you believe something about you or you believe something about God that minimizes who God is and minimizes who you are to God. And so when, when we read the Word of God or when the Spirit of God speaks to us and we don't consider it precious and valuable and we just let it slip away, that's uh, hearing amiss. And so Jesus is saying, listen, don't hear miss. Get serious about what you hear. And then he says, uh, he, he says, Kenneth Weist expands this pretty good from the King James. Uh, that's a little closer to the whole concept of, uh, uh, of what, what the terminology means. You know, the King James will say something like, with the measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Man, that little phrase is loaded. It is packed with rich, rich, rich expression. Because what it's really saying is what, whatever you put into this, whatever you put into making this come alive, and, and you know, this can get into whatever, to the degree that you think about this, to the degree that you ponder on this, to the degree that you even discuss this, to the degree uh, that you meditate on this, that determines the degree to which this will produce life in you. So we've got a whole generation of believers that don't believe in meditation, that they think it's of the devil or something, or, or, or really the, maybe the worst thing is we have a generation of people who all of their meditation is done by default, is done accidentally. And, now, and so meditating, when you, when you hear something, when you hear a word, that is like planting a seed potentially in your heart. Now, what happens is 
if let, let, let's say if if you're fighting a, a battle for peace and and you know and, and you keep looking at everything around you and what the seed that you keep planting in your heart is this is what's wrong with that person this is what's wrong with this person this is this is why i can't get and you know whatever all this negative stuff well then you're planting thorns in your heart and so then the more you think about those things and ponder on them and uh then the more you are actually watering and tending to those to make sure that that they that they grow and so those thorns choke out that inspiration of the word of god that promises you peace through the lord jesus that promises you righteousness peace and joy as a part of uh, pursuing the kingdom of god and so we plant destructive seeds and then we think about them we ponder on them we remember them which is a form of meditation Therefore, and then we, then we act totally surprised when these things appear in our life. That's sort of like going out here and, you know, planting you a couple of tomato plants and then planting you a bunch of poison ivy. And then you're surprised that you get poison ivy all over you and, you, and that you're itching all over. And you, you act like God did this to you or somebody else did this to you. No, you planted it in the soil of your life. You know, meditation Biblical meditation is where you take the Word of God and you, you think on it, you ponder on it, you imagine it being real and alive and working in your life. You, you, you consider what this means about the love of God. I mean, there's no end to explaining all the different ways that you can meditate on something. But here's the key thing you want to understand about meditation. The way you know you're meditating, whether you intend to be or not, is when you think about something to the point that it changes your emotions and you start experiencing it as if it's real now. Now, there are three components to, to the way we think and uh, uh, particularly the kind of thought that affects our heart. And it's memory, which is based on the past, imagination, which is based on the future, but then meditation, which is bringing the past or the future into the present and creating a sense of the present. And so one of the things that people do as a form of meditation, probably more than any other form of meditation, is memory, remembering things. Now, sadly, people don't tend to remember the things that made them happy. They don't tend to remember the things that made them enjoy life. They don't tend to remember all of the good things that happened in their life. They tend to remember the bad things, the things that made them sad, the things that were sorrowful, the people that hurt them, the people that offended them, all of those kinds of things. So, so it doesn't matter how much of the Word of God you have in your heart, when you begin to meditate or, or remember past negative things and past destructive and painful things, then what you are doing is you are, you are planting and nurturing the thorns that will grow up in the garden of your heart and choke out the promises of, of the Word of God. You, you know, you may have had this experience where, where uh, let's say that you have an experience with someone and, um, it, you know, over time, kind of maybe even your pain and hurt about that person and this interaction 
seems to get more and more intense and, and worse and worse and worse. Now, there's a, there, there is a reason for that. I want you to understand, every time you remember something, you actually change or alter that memory to some degree. And, and you change and alter that memory based on how it's making you feel today. In other words, there could have been something that happened, you know, in the past and, and you know, maybe it hurts feelings, but you wrote it off because you think, well, you know, uh, they didn't realize what they were doing. Then maybe somebody comes along and says, oh yeah, you know what? They were attacking you. And you start going, oh man, that's right. So you're starting to remember it, but now you've added a whole new component that you were being attacked or that you were being criticized or you were being victimized. So now you have a different experience. You know, before when you said, well, you know what? They probably didn't even realize. You might have really had mercy. You might have even felt, uh, you know, uh, compelled to forgive them or to work it out with them. But now you're getting angry. And now when you remember that event, that event causes you to have painful, negative, destructive emotions. And so once you do that, that moves that past event in your experience to the present tense and your present tense is based on all of the significance now that you add it to it. it didn't have anything to do with what really happened and so almost every time we remember something from the past we attach a new significance to it based on how we remembered it the last time and how that changed how that changed our emotions and our feelings. So that's a form of meditation. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but you know what? I have had it happen. There have been situations where something that I remembered and the way that I remembered, the way that I remembered it would cause me to have great pain every time I, every time I thought about it. And... Um, uh, usually, you know, when something causes pain or causes any kind of emotion to change, it changes your behavior. So that means it was affecting the way I would treat people today. It would affect my self-confidence. It would affect my worldview. It would affect my hope of, of good outcomes. And so I've had those kinds of situations happen. And then I would discover that, oh, wait a minute. Uh, how I saw this was completely wrong. Now, all this time, it was affecting me negatively, and I was treating a person badly, and I was treating other people badly, and I was losing self-confidence. But all of that was based on an inaccurate memory. So, when I discover the truth about that situation, well, usually, remember, the ego always wants you to be right. So that's when you, that's when you just try to convince yourself, no, no, they did me wrong. They did me wrong. Doesn't matter what I found out now. They did me wrong. And so you'll hold a grudge against somebody. You'll destroy yourself just to, just to prove that you're right. And I'll tell you, I, I tragically see this every single day of, of the ministry and trying to help people who are destroying their lives because they've got to be right in how they see something because they can't they won't trust god to handle it they won't trust walking in righteousness walking in the truth with mercy they won't they won't trust that so so you realize that meditation is where when you think about something whether it's true whether it's not true whether it happened or whether it didn't happen you start thinking on it on it and it actually alters 
your self-perception and your perception of the world today. By the way, let me just mention something while I have a second here. Don't forget that we have an incredible audio series uh, on ancient mysteries. And uh, you know what? My, my audio series and these that I do, they are not overlapping. I'm trying to give you everything that I can give you through both of these mediums. A lot of people want the audio series because maybe many times it goes into greater detail, gives you a lot more application that you can, that you can utilize to develop this truth in your heart. So if you, if you want to get the audio series, and remember, 85% of everything that you spend on series uh, is an investment in you. 100% of what you spend is investment in you and renewing your mind and writing on your heart. 85% of it always goes into world outreach. So, so uh, check it out. Go to drjimrichards.com uh, and, uh, and download it, and you can be jumping into new depths of this truth right now. So, uh, so one of the things that I want to link this back to, in in, the, in this series, Ancient Mysteries, which is the, this is the last one, in this series, God, n- number one, God made record of all of these things that happened. He made, you know, we understand really from the word of God and from biblical history, we understand who the first Pharaoh was. We understand the role of the Nephilim in, in the ancient world, building pyramids all over the world. We understand how Luciferian doctrine came into planet Earth. We understand where the doctrine of of aliens coming to planet Earth and being the creator of God. We understand where all that started. And we've already covered this uh, in these video series. I'll cover it probably in a little more detail in the the audio series. So now, now, every time something comes up about the pyramids or somebody brings up something, you know, kind of goofy, I can remember, I can remember the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit's job uh, and the way he, the way he helps us develop uh, one of his many jobs is he brings to memory what the word of God says. He very specifically brings to memory everything that Jesus said, but also he brings to our memory what God has said. Now, just stop and think about it. If, I, if my memory says, yes, there were Nephilim, and yes, they were mighty warriors, and yes, they were 12 feet tall, 18 feet tall, they were, you know, they were humongous, they were brutal, they were flesh eaters, they were vampires, they were everything that we down through the world have attributed to mythology and superstition, all of that came from, from the Nephilim. And so, so when I think back, back about these monstrous Nephilim, I'm just using this as one example, or the pyramids or whatever, and I think about the fact that they had nearly destroyed the world and a benevolent, kind God rescued the human race and rescued the bloodline of Jesus by wiping out the Nephilim. You know what comes for me? I'll tell you what comes for me is comfort because I realize that no matter how bad the world gets, God is going to show up. And you know, I meditate on that. I meditate what it's like for, for the return of Jesus. I meditate on what it's like to sense and be aware of his call that's calling me out of this, out of planet Earth. But you see, 
our problem is we don't remember the things that God told us to remember. We don't remember that that whenever we repented, when we gave up all of our opinions and gave our lives to Jesus, that we experienced the mercy and forgiveness of sins, and suddenly we had a perception of the kingdom of God around that we could enter into through our heart's door. That that would uh, uh, where we would experience every single need being met in our life. We don't remember when we. You know, when we felt clean and pure for the first time in our life. We don't remember uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We don't remember all the times that He healed us. We remember every time something did not work. We meditate on it, and we get frustrated, and we act like we're confused, and we act like we don't understand. And so, so nothing works anymore because our heart is filled with thorns. You know something? This ministry is dedicated to raising up disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ, reaching and developing one billion disciples around the world. I hope you'll join me every week and share this with everybody that you think it will help. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.